go out. We have uh, someone who's not a stranger here, our brother, one of the ruling elders, Honorable, is going to come and share with us a, a word. Good morning, church. We are in a series uh, called Transformed by the Empty Tomb. So uh, it's my pleasure to bring the, the last one of the series from, uh, from the Gospel of John. If you are able, please... Uh, Stand for the reading of God's word. Comes from John chapter 21, verses 15 through 25. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you, he said to him. Feed my lambs, he said to him a second time. Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you, he said to him. Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands. Another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This is said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one who also had leaned back against him during the supper and said, Lord, who is that is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. So the saying spread abroad among the brethren, that this disciple was not to die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he was not to die, but if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? This is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things and who has written these things, and we know that his testimony is true. Now, there are many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written? I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. You may be seated. May, may God bless the reading and the preaching. Uh, let me pray for our, my preaching. 
that God would bless. Lord God, we come before you that you would um, be present and uh, speak to us, Lord. Um, come and minister to us, Lord, through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. On and off, uh, my computer needs rebooting in order to function well as it's supposed to. There is a special button called reset button on certain devices that is there to, to get that back to the factory setting so that it will, it will, they would work as they are supposed to. Here in this passage, we see Jesus interacting with Peter in a dialogue to restore or in a way to reboot or reset him to the task of leading his church. So what is the context? Let's look what this passage is about. We heard from Brother Reuben last Sunday that in the early part of John chapter 21, starts with the story of Jesus revealing himself to his disciples for the third time at the shore of Galilee. The event took place around the second week after the resurrection. Seven disciples go fishing, led by Peter, but they caught nothing. But Jesus appears on the shore and helps them fish a large haul. Then he eats breakfast with them. Now we see Jesus having an after-breakfast conversation with Peter, probably they were, as they were walking along the shore. Again, let's remember that Jesus' post-resurrection appearances are to reveal himself to his disciples. The main purpose is to show to them the resurrection power and his presence and to give them hope, encouragement, and restoration. At this point, the disciples were somewhat scattered and they were still struggling to understand the meaning of, of the death and resurrection of Lord Jesus Christ. The fact that they went fishing in the early morning, led by Peter, probably indicates that they decided to go back to the old profession instead of heeding Jesus' call to proclaim the kingdom of God, shows that they were confused. Peter still not have, has not re recovered from the shame, guilt, and disappointment of dis denying the Lord, not once, but three times. It is not only the betrayal of a friend, but also the Christ Lord, whom Peter confessed and vowed to follow, even if everyone leaves him. Imagine the cloud of guilt, shame, and a sense of failure that he experienced that surrounded Peter. The Holy Spirit has not come upon the believers permanently, and the church has not increased in number. There was going to be a sudden increase in the church, in the believers, and the formation of the church, followed by a persecution and scattering of the church. The resurrected Lord knew his disciples need strengthening and encouragement. 
And he starts with Peter, who is most needy and the least qualified to lead the flock and shepherd and leave alone leading the church that Jesus was going to leave behind to carry on his kingdom mission. In verses 15 through 17, we see Jesus interacting with Peter to restore him. You may remember in John chapter 1, it is Jesus who invited Peter, and he, called, he was called Simon, son of John, and he gives him the name Peter or Cephas, which means rock. Here in verse 15, Jesus reverts back to his old name, Simon, son of John, and calls him Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? As if to sort of remind him or to reset him to the place where he was. And he says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Wow. What a question coming from the resurrected Lord Jesus. Jesus repeats this question three times. And each time, Peter answers with the affirmative. And in return, Jesus is giving Peter the task of shepherding his flock by feeding and tending. The good shepherd forgives Peter and entrusts him with the responsibility of leading his flock. According to Mark's gospel, when Jesus predicted his betrayal by his disciples, Peter retorts by saying, even if all the others reject you, I never will. Jesus now raised to life, turn, turns the table interestingly by asking Peter, do you love me more than these? Meaning compared to these other six disciples present at this occasion. The conversation is at heart level, but it is probing and poignant. It deeply affected Peter as he was convinced Jesus knew the sincerity of his love, yet he seemed to be questioning. When Jesus asked for the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved. Why was Peter sad? Was it because Peter denied three times at the arrest and trial of Jesus? Brothers and sisters, God does not leave us in the dark without seeing who we are really before transforming us anew and restoring us. Restoration involves seeing our past failures and our true self and sorrowing over our sin. Repentance involves the same, seeing our sins and grieving over our sins. A broken spirit and contrite heart, God does not despise, says David in Psalm 51. Jesus wants Peter to come to terms with his actions two weeks prior. Nevertheless, Jesus confers dignity and honor on Peter by giving him the lead charge to feed, to tend his sheep and lambs, 
That's his people. The only qualification Jesus is looking for in Peter is his love for him. Jesus' concern for his flock is evident by his concern for the heart of the shepherd he is looking for. He wants character as opposed to qualifications, degrees, training, and even giftedness in the shepherds for the feeding and tending of his flock. How is Peter going to do this? How is Peter going to feed and tend the sheep and lambs of Jesus? By loving Jesus. Peter has to feed on Jesus, the bread of life who has come from heaven. Jesus says in John chapter 6, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I give for the life of the world is my flesh. Shepherding is a hard task. The good shepherd knows it well, so he wants Peter to be prepared for it. Peter needs to come to face to face with the reality of who he is as Simon, son of John, before becoming the rock on which that Jesus on which Jesus would build his church. Peter needs healing from the, his quick and empty speech. We saw Peter was grieved when Jesus asked for the third time, do you love me? In the midst of Peter's grief, Jesus announces, as another good shepherd, Peter would lay down his life for the church. In verses 18 and 19, Jesus predicts Peter's death. Immediately, the resurrected Lord Jesus prophesies the kind of death Peter would die. It is believed Peter died during the reign of Emperor Nero in 664 AD during the Roman persecution of the church. As Jesus prophesied, Peter died by crucifixion like his Lord Jesus, like our Lord Jesus. But, be, but Peter has to carry this ominous prediction looming over his shoulder for the next three decades until he faced this death. Imagine it is the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ saying to Peter, Peter, you will be strong and said steady unlike in the past. In fact, you will be strong enough to die Die like me. By the way, now you have to follow me. Years later, Peter would write to strengthen believers who were going through persecution. In 1 Peter, we read chapter 1, verse 3. 
Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That's an assured learning that Peter had through the resurrected Lord, that he can relate to disciples, his, his, belief, uh, his disciples going through suffering. But we are still in the story, coming back to John chapter 21. And this is the part, was the most comical part of the story, where Peter now turns and looks back at John, who was following Jesus, and asks Jesus, what about this man? For which Jesus replies, Peter, you just mind your own business. You follow me. That seemed to be the message. It's, if you think about it, it is incredible that Peter, now feeling struck by grief, that Jesus had asked him about his love for him. And uh, he is reminded of his past failures and being strengthened in God's love. And also, he's learning about his martyrdom, his death, his own death, such a somber moment, but he was distracted by this other fellow disciple, and he's concerned. If it is a genuine concern, Jesus would not have responded the way he did. So who, who is this disciple who is called the disciple whom Jesus loved? We know it is already, he's John. He is the disciple, it says in the text, the one who leaned on Jesus at the supper, meaning the Last Supper, and asked Jesus, who is going to betray you? John is also the writer of this gospel that we have been looking at. John also wrote three letters, the epistles that we find in the end of our Bible. John also wrote the last book of the Bible, the Revelation, which is about the last things, the judgment of the wicked and the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ second time and the establishment of the new heavens and the new earth. But what is remarkable about John is that he had the assurance that he was loved by Jesus. He refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved six times in the book of John. Is he boasting about himself, about the love that Jesus had for him? No, not at all. If you read carefully, John had a brother by the name James. Along with Peter, they were part of the original disciples that decided to follow Jesus. They, were, they three were the closest of Jesus during his earthly ministry. And Jesus takes them to the Mount of the Transfiguration, where Jesus was completely transfigured, and it says his Clothes became whiter than snow. And they heard a voice from above saying, This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Perhaps the most touching encounter we see in the gospel narratives is when Jesus asked John to take care of his mother Mary after his death. 
We see this in John chapter 19, 26 and 27. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his home. John is so assured of the love of Christ for him. So the dominant theme of John's writings become the love of God and brotherly love. John equates our love for God to our love for brothers and sisters and says, we grow in God's love when we learn to love one another. We read this in 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 12. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought if we love one another, God above loved Jesus. I think he gives us three points here. First, loving Jesus is possible only by those who know the love of God through Christ. We know in our human level, we cannot love people, people we don't know. We need to know someone to say we love them. Second, no one has ever seen God. Therefore, Christ appeared in human form to live and die and rise again to reveal God's love for us. Brothers and sisters, this is the gospel. When we believe the gospel, we love Jesus. Thirdly, when we love one another, who are created in God's image, God's love is perfected in us. John writes these things as an eyewitness who had seen the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. In verse 24 and 25, he concludes this gospel, the gospel of John, by saying, this is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things and who has written these things, and we know that his testimony is true. Now, there are many other things that Jesus did were every one of them to be written. I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Remember in the beginning of chapter one of John, the Gospel of John, he says, starts by saying, the whole universe was made through the word, and this word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, 
full of grace and truth. Though, though John might be speaking in figuratively in overstatement, he is correct in saying at the end of the gospel that the world would not contain the books if they were to be written down of everything Jesus had done. So what's the purpose of John writing these important words to us? Earlier in chapter 20, the previous chapter in John, we read the last two verses, verse 30 and 31, John chapter 20, we read, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, that by believing you may have life in his name. John says, Jesus did many other signs which are not written, but what is written here is about the life, death, and resurrection for the purpose that we may believe as Jesus, as the Son of God, and that we may have life through him. It is for our salvation these eyewitness accounts of life, death, and resurrection are given. Jesus indeed rose again from the dead and appeared to his disciples and, and 500 others at one time. The resurrected Lord Jesus gives us new life and hope of restoration and eternal life, like he did for Peter. I believe the Spirit of God is reminding us through the disciple whom Jesus loved. Just as Peter, we have to grow in our love for Jesus and, for love, and the love for one another. Our love for Jesus is essential for our restoration and the ministry we have in the body of Christ. Especially those of us who are called to the task of shepherding God's precious sheepfold. We need to feed on Jesus and feed the flock under our care for Jesus loves them and they are precious to Jesus. Feeding on Jesus is loving Jesus and loving Jesus is loving our brothers and sisters who are created in the image of God. When we grow in our love, for one another. We grow in our love for God. This is an emphatic statement that John, John lays out again and again in the scriptures for us. How about some applications for us today at FCF? First, are we seeing ourselves who we are apart from Christ? That means, are we seeing our sins, failures, and grieving over them in the light of the hope of restoration we have in Christ. Second, are we seeing ourselves who we are in Christ? That means, are we feeding on Jesus Christ, the bread of life from heaven? I said feeding on Jesus is an evidence of our love for Jesus. He says, when we eat of his flesh and drink of his blood, we abide in Christ. Thirdly, 
Are we loving the brothers and sisters in the body of Christ with sincere love? It is an evidence of our love for Christ. The church is the body of Christ. If we love one another in the body of Christ, we love Jesus Christ. It says, when we love Jesus Christ, we abide in him. I know we are a multiracial, multiethnic church. We have many challenges and obstacles to overcome and show genuine love for one another. These challenges should drive us to depend more and more on Jesus. It is a good place to be and a good challenge to have. And even Jesus himself challenges us by saying, by commanding us to love one another just as I have loved you. And lastly, this is for my fellow shepherds as a fe another shepherd. Shepherding is a higher call and a difficult call. There is nothing more difficult than shepherding human beings. Jesus did not promise health, wealth, and prosperity to Peter. Neither does he to us. Jesus does not want our false assumptions and assurances. He wants us to deeply understand his love for us and for his sheep. He wants us to feed his sheep and his lambs and take care of them. His sheepfold is precious to Jesus. Finally, are we willing to follow Jesus? Take up our crosses and follow Jesus. Deny our self-will and conform to God's will as we grow in the love of Jesus Christ. I want to end by reading Peter, more words from Peter as an encouragement for us from 1 Peter chapter 1, 21, 22 to 25. The great apostle Peter writes to his believers, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and the abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. Amen. Let's go before God in prayer. Lord God, we come before you. God, you showed your love for us by sending your son to die. While we were yet sinners, Lord, your love is amazing and we, it's wonderful that we struggle to understand. God, we pray through Christ for what he had done on the cross and rose again for our justification and our righteousness, Lord, that we may come to understand you more and more, that we may put our trust in you and believe in the gospel and love you, Lord Jesus, as he wants us to love you. 
and do things because of our love for you. We pray that, you, that we will be perfected more and more in God's love as we love one another in this body. Lord, it is difficult. There are many difficulties as simple human beings. Many things that in the past and the present, Lord, hinders us from seeing who we are in Christ. Help us, O oh God, to love one another as you have loved us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.